Hi, this is For the Love of Film Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk, Greg and I just saw a movie, we're going to talk about that movie, and then at the end of the episode I'll talk about two movies I saw by myself. Yep. Um, but it'll be seamless to you. Um, so this movie, I, I was just yeah, thinking so about I'm this. I'm just going to vanish. Yeah. Uh, um, I feel, because I have opinions about this movie. I, and, I have strong opinions and about this movie. I, so as long as you're cool with it, I'm going to say this now. We saw The Commuter. Yeah. And this is there are going to be spoilers in this. I generally don't. Uh, but... Uh, so if, if you want to see this movie and don't want it spoiled for you, um, stop listening until you've seen it. Yeah, uh, and, and kind of don't go see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, yeah, uh, this movie was junk. It was. <laughs> it was. It was a mess. It started out and it, and it held my interest in the beginning. I thought it was clever the way they did the beginning. Oh, that drove me fucking nuts. Really? No, nope, I was okay with it. And it wasn't until... It wasn't until the story started to unfold when I was like, this is just shit. They did this thing where they, it, it felt like they were shuffling, shuffling a deck of cards, but with scenes. They it were was like a montage from Groundhog Day. Yeah, they were showing Liam Neeson's morning routine to show that he had done uh, the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, which, from the beginning, I'm like, this is a lazy... I'm like, I get what you're doing. I got it. Knock it off. Yeah. Because um, it went on for probably five minutes. Yeah. Um, My thinking was, okay, you're going to do this, and that's fine. It better, it better set be up a, for something. There should right. be a payoff. And there was for this. no payoff for None. it because the very next scene, while he's at work, he's like, "I've been doing this. I've been commuting for ten years." Yeah. You're like, oh, cool. So you could have not bothered me with that thing. Right. But again, you I could thought have just said that one line, and it would have been fine. And the only thing other than, you know, it established that he knew a lot of the people on the commuter right. train, which um, I'm calling bullshit on right now because I know plenty of people who ride the commuter. Nobody talks to other people. Um, maybe you do see a couple people, um, you know, you recognize faces, but just there was there was an over-familiarity with everyone. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess he's a cop, so he's observant, so he he knows, you know, the people who are the regulars and the people who aren't. But yeah, yeah, I uh, God, I could ride that rail for ten years and never talk to a soul. Yeah, um, and even if given his whole thing of being a cop, picking up on stuff, you know, old habits die hard. Uh, it, it, some people just pulled up and they're laughing. It's just two guys jacking off in a car. Nothing to see here. Um, <laughs> they were exactly laughing at us. Um, but uh, um, oh, that's why he's laughing at me. Who it's some. It's it's my buddy Travis. Uh, hang on a second. All right. We're, hey, we're recording a podcast. I swear we're not jerking off in the oh, car. Perfect. No, was, he's well, wrong. We're up. jerking off. Well, uh, you guys pulled up, and uh, you guys are on a podcast right now. Uh, oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> are we still recording? Yeah, we're still. Of course, okay. we're still of recording. You know how yeah. I do. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. So, what are you guys going to see? Greatest Showman. Oh, nice. I, yeah. See, remember how I said I was going to go see The Greatest Showman? This is our third time. Nice. Yeah. Really? I told him I was going to go see it because you recommended it. So, stay yeah. tuned later in the podcast 
uh, after I've seen yeah, it, I will yeah, give my review. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. I, it's my fault. I talked him out of it. We went That's to go fine. see the commuter, and it was the garbage. Commuter. Oh, how was it? Oh, it's garbage. terrible. Oh, perfect. Horrible. <laughs> it was garbage. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. cool. Hey, good to see you guys. Enjoy. Take care. Good night. <laughs> that, that was really weird because when Greg and I were waiting for um, the commuter to start, we talked about the greatest showman, and he said, you know, why are you seeing that? It's been out for a while. What's the point? And I said, you know, someone, uh, it, and Travis is a, a film student. He he just got an, an early 8mm camera tattooed on his arm. Wow. Uh, uh, he was like, he's like, I love this movie. I really want you to see it. He, he, he listens to this podcast, and he was like, I really want to know what you think about it. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll go check it out, That's man. That's a weird coincidence. Yeah, and he literally just pulled <laughs> up. He was, he and... His, I think it's his girlfriend, and then somebody else who I didn't even see in the car got out. Um, yeah, she was behind him. They were the people that were laughing at us, jerking off. But they weren't laughing. Right. They were laughing because he recognized me. Yeah. Um, and for the record, we weren't jerking off when they pulled in. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, even if Liam Neeson, <laughs> I mean, right, even if Liam Neeson, his old police habits of, uh, you know, checking people out, we're still there. I don't think any of these other people would be like, yeah, I'd love to have a chat because the one thing that commuters want is to be left the fuck alone. Right. Um, they don't want to be there. They're doing it out of necessity. Stop bothering me. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this movie, I think disappoint. I've seen a lot of bad movies in my life. Yep. Um, but I kind of get more disappointed when a movie is, has, talented people in it yeah. and they're wasted yep there was i can't remember the specifics now but early on i mean liam neeson is a good actor i yeah. wouldn't say he's a great actor but he's a good actor right. he's usually good in everything he's in and there's some stuff this is the worst liam neeson movie i've ever seen it's it's up there for me i mean i've seen some of his early genre stuff but uh there's some acting choices and i guarantee you it was the director who had him do it where i'm just like as a veteran actor who's been in, you know, dozens of movies, he yeah. had to have been like, really? That's what you want me to do? Okay. You're the one, you know, I, it's a paycheck for me. Right. Um, you know, and it was just, it's a, it's a weird, it's a movie that thinks it's a lot smarter than it is. And it's yeah, real and it's, dumb. It's real dumb. Um, the dialogue is clunky. It's, it's, it's set up so that there's like this shadow organization watching everything going on. And then you find out as the movie gets further and further along, they don't know shit. So it right. doesn't make sense why that they would have eyes on everything yet can't figure anything out. Here's the thing. And this is an absolute spoiler and I don't care. What was, what were the, what was, what was the code name for the girl? Prin. Prin. Okay. So, they knew that she was Prin because of the scarlet letter. Right. Okay. Yeah, Hester Prin is the... So somebody knew to call her Prin. And just... But they didn't... Nobody could make the connection. Like, there was a person who was like, okay, she's reading the scarlet letter. Her code name is Prin. Yeah, but they'd never met her before. But they'd never met her before. But you've got to figure out who is Prin on the train based on the book that she's reading on the train even though nobody knew who she was on the train right and it's it's 
that's one of. I mean, by then I was already checked out of the movie. Yeah. But here's the here's the thing. Like the third scene when, so Liam Neeson's just got fired from his job and yeah. he's drinking in a bar, um, and then his old buddy who. You know, we don't know anything about it at this point. He walks up. It's Patrick Wilson. Right. As soon as he walks in, I'm like, oh, he's in on it. Doesn't he? I don't even know what the setup for the movie is because Patrick Wilson always plays terrible, bad people. Except in Fargo season two when he was awesome. It's true. He was great in that. And yep. he's a good actor. Great but actor. He, and actually, he wasn't a bad guy in Watchmen either. But right. he almost always plays like conniving pricks. Um, I couldn't. I wasn't sure it was either Sam Neill or him, and I wasn't sure which one it would be. And I have a feeling, and if I cared enough to check the the you know deleted scenes whenever it comes out, which I won't. No, I have a feeling it was done both ways, and that Sam Neill like one version of it, and they're like, "We'll we'll sort it out later in the editing," yeah. because it was set up that Sam Neill was like, and it could have been that Sam Neill and him were both in on it, right. and then like, right? I think they were. It'll probably, that'll probably be one of the, the DVD extras. Come see the alternate endings. and Yeah. There's probably six of them. Yeah. Um, the stupid thing with... One of the things that got me the most is the guy with the guitar who you think is the informant. And then he, like, gets back there. Um, and the way Liam Neeson figured out he was not who he thought he was was because he had an electric guitar and he had helped him up with his... It was a left-handed electric guitar, which, yeah. first of all, as soon as you open the bag, I noticed that because I'm a left-handed guitar player. Yep. I, I did not notice that, and I didn't care. It doesn't... It Left-handed electric guitars in 2018 are incredibly hard to find on the street, like, randomly. Yeah. It has to be an on-purpose thing because it's, in, it's very difficult for me to find a guitar. So they gave it to him as, clearly as a prop... Where, like, why would they go out of their way to get, like, you have to, on purpose, want a left-handed, you can't walk into a guitar shop. I mean, granted, I'm sure someone who's going to argue, it takes place in New York City, there are, you know, yes, but why would they go out of their way to grab an, a left-handed electric guitar? Because it is a specialty item. Right. It only served to tip Liam Neeson off. Um, it it, it could have been... Like they could have done it the other way. He saw the guitar, and then the guy could have had the gun in his left hand, and yeah. been like, "It's a right-handed guitar, but you're holding, you know, whatever." It just it didn't make any sense. Um, it was stupid, um, and yeah. I was mad because I wanted that guitar, and then they smashed it to bits. Um, <laughs> in one of the many ridiculous fight sequences, yeah, one of the many ridiculous fight sequences that no one else on the train seemed to notice. Yeah, um, I also don't buy. The guy who you're supposed to believe is who he's looking for first, who's an FBI agent with a snake tattoo on his neck. Well, first of all, he skipped getting on the train because they were checking bags, which there was no explanation as to why they were checking bags. Right. Um, other than if they were looking for that little file that the girl had, um, which if that's the case, they don't explain how she got on the train without it being found. That's, that's one of the things that absolutely... Like, this girl is... First of all, if, to make she a movie like she was about high school, yeah, to make a movie about you have to protect some witness is just thin anyway. But so my understanding is the FBI said get on the train and go to what's it called, Coldbrook, Coldbrook, and we'll no, meet Cold you Spring, there, Cold Spring, and we'll meet you there. Wouldn't 
they want to grab her as soon as possible and be like, "Hey, we're going to get you out of town." Right. Like you're that important. We're we're not going to have you meet us. We're going to meet you. Right. Especially if they knew, oh, it's a high school girl and a bunch of people trying to kill her. Yeah, if you can get on a train and come yeah. find us, we don't come into the city. It's scary. Right. Um. Well, yeah. yeah. Once you get to us, you'll be safe. You just got to get to us. Yeah. Hopefully the guy who, uh, you know, rescued his daughter twice and his, you know, and his ex-wife will be on the train to protect right, you. Right. Um, the guy whose cell phone he kept bo- kept bar- borrowing, his accent kept going in and out. Yep. Um, yeah, it was just... Uh, it was a mess of a bunch of different movies that did it right. It was, it was you know, Die Hard and Speed and, and, and movies like that. It was just, it was... It was all of those thrown into one and a mess. And you're supposed to buy that Liam Neeson is resourceful. Yeah. But there's all sorts of stuff he doesn't notice right off the bat. Um, Like he keeps walking by people, not noticing them. Uh, It's just, it's so inconsistent. Um, That's exactly what it was. It's inconsistent. It's a. Uh, I mean, I'd give it a ten. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I wouldn't recommend. It. I don't even bother if you see it at Redbox. No, get Taken. Get the Gray. Get something else like get that. Anything. Yeah. Else, get Krull. His first movie. <laughs> it's. You know, it's. I like Liam Neeson and. Uh, and also, uh, Elizabeth McGovern needs to stop acting. Well, I can't think of the last time I saw her in anything. She was in. She was um, in. Uh, what's the What's the English movie? Uh, the English show, Downton Abbey. Oh. She was in that, and she was terrible in that too. She needs to just stop. Mercifully, she's only in like the opening and closing scenes. Yeah. But, well, God, uh, that closing scene was brutal. When he was joking with his family after being in a train that flipped over. Yeah. He's joking with his family. Oh yeah. Just, and then he God. looks around to see like what's happening with all his fellow train yep. right you know oh so that guy's hitting on her now hope it works out for them yeah the, uh, the coward is hitting on the hot chick now and oh they're going to be together yeah it was uh, it's it's garbage yeah. uh i I'd, I'd give it like a 3 out yeah, of 10 yeah that was a, that was the number i landed on too yeah it's don't bother i, I hope this is the worst movie that i see in 2018 be nice uh we had already seen several uh, stinkers this time last yeah. year. We had already seen uh, the comedian, the comedian, and what was the Ben Affleck movie? The oh yeah, uh, live by, by night, live yeah. by night, yeah. yeah. God, that was awful. That was terrible. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw that the first week of last year, but yeah, yeah. we saw that on the uh, New England Adventure. Yeah, I, I have a feeling yeah. I'm going to see some more terrible movies, but uh, yeah, hopefully uh, this is the last terrible one we see together this year. Yeah, it won't be. I'm sure. Nope. Um, yeah. I don't fault Liam Neeson. I mean, you know, you can't always do high art. Sometimes you just got to make a paycheck. Didn't see very many. We I saw a couple of previews I haven't seen yet, but they didn't. I'm I'm completely over going to see Death Wish. Now that I've seen the trailer, no interest. Um, Bruce Willis looks old. I think, was Death Wish the trailer that was playing when the guy came looking for the cell phone? I think so. Yeah, because I've seen the trailer before and I remember only seeing half of it this time. Yeah. So here's something, and... Forgive me if I if we've talked about this on a podcast before, but I think about it because I go to the movies a lot and I yeah. see it every single time. So at some point during the movie, 
every single time you're in the movie theater, someone from the theater comes in with their little muted flashlight, walks up, and checks the emergency exit door. Yeah. I've been, you know, I'm 42. I've been going to the movies probably since I was six or seven years old. Been really paying attention for 20-something years. Have you ever seen anyone ever get up and open that door and let someone in? Never. Why do we need to check the door all the time? I don't know. I think it's part of the sweep. I think it's part of the we're checking to make sure that it's a general check of the room and then, hey, we'll check the door. But, I mean, too. that's gone on for a long time. And, you know, not to not to be insensitive because I know there have been shootings in theaters. Yeah. But none of the shootings in theaters occurred because the person entered through there. I thought Aurora did. Really? Yeah. I think it did. All right. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah. it's gone on long before then. Yes. And also... Again, not to be insensitive, but if that were the case, uh, and you know Johnny nine twenty five an hour comes <laughs> around and there's a guy with a submachine gun standing there, what's he gonna do? Right, right. Other than die first. Yeah. I just it, it always puzzles me the whole checking that whole thing. Yep. And I think I think as it was happening this time, I remember seeing the little red light and I was like. For some reason, that drives Scott crazy, and I can't remember why. Yeah. And that's that's why, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we saw a movie together. It was bad. We got to see a, a junkie movie together. Yeah, I mean, I'm not upset about it. I, no. I mean, I literally paid, like, 90 cents to see, because right. I paid for it with my movie pass. And, yeah, it cost me nothing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a mess, and uh, it was one of those ones where now we don't have to wonder if it was any good or not. Yep. Because we know it's terrible. Yeah. So if anyone asks, hey, should I see this? No, you shouldn't. No. Uh, no, absolutely not worth it. But I will guarantee you, once it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, there will be accolades across the front, a pulse-pounding action thriller, one of yeah. the best movies of the year, because every single movie Jim has Smith, that. Jim Smith, K87 yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about movies like this, too. Like, just by the sheer numbers... There's somebody out there that this is their favorite movie. Yeah. 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 And I weep for that person. I do too. All right. Uh, so we'll say goodbye to Greg and then you'll listen to me talk about two more movies. Yeah. All right. So um, one of the things that I meant to discuss or bring up when I was talking with Greg uh, about the commuter was, uh, and I totally forgot what we were talking was the fact that Patrick Wilson's character is named Alex Murphy, and some of you that might ring a bell. Uh, Alex Murphy was also the name of Peter Weller's human character's name in RoboCop before he's killed and reanimated as RoboCop. Sorry, spoiler alert there. Um, but I find it hard to believe that anyone, that there wasn't somebody on the set of The Commuter at some point that said, hey, you know that's the name of the cop from RoboCop, um, especially where the Alex Murphy in The Commuter is also playing a police officer. Um, so I'm sure it's some sort of weird homage reference, but it doesn't really make any sense. And also, I I don't know, like, uh, I don't think it's really earned. And there's no, no real connection to the movie other than they're both cops um robocop while not a perfect film is a much better film than the commuter and also is a uh, kind of a cult classic at this point 
So anyways, I when Greg and I were talking, I talked about that I was going to talk about two more movies I saw this, this in this past week or so. But I actually saw three movies, and it was... Uh, I was basically three for three um, with the enjoyment of the films that I had seen, or the lack of enjoyment of the films that uh, I had seen, I should say. Um, and the last movie that I saw, I didn't... I knew I wasn't going to enjoy going into it, so I figured... Since this was basically a wash week for enjoyable films, why not knock out four of them? So, um, the other three films I did see this week were 12 Strong, um, The Greatest Showman, and da, 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 50 Shades Free. 50 Shades Free, duh, sorry, with a D at the end. So, let's go through those. <laughs> um, 12 Strong or the full title, which is 12 Strong, The Declassified True Story of the Horse Soldiers. Uh, it's another um, Afghanistan war biopic. Um, it's not a terrible movie, um, but it, it's kind of a lazily written movie, and yes, it's based on a true story. Um, I... I I don't know all the details. I know that it was certainly simplified, um, but it's basically these uh, in September of 2001, right after the attacks on the twin towers, this elite squad of um, combatants uh, are reactivated into the field. Uh, there, Chris Helmsworth plays their leader who's never seen combat before, but for some reason, the um, his entire his entire crew vouches for him, so um, they're reactivated, and uh, you know they they end up basically with very little support on the ground of Afghanistan. They have to team up with uh, different. Uh, guerrilla fighters, Afghani guerrilla fighters fighting the Taliban. And they give coordinates to the U.S. Uh, airstrikes to drop bombs. It's, you know, it, it was, they didn't have any uh, vehicles, any, you know, they, they, they literally had to ride in on horseback, hence the long and awkward full title. Um, it was, you know, it was a classified operation, so it wasn't talked about for a while. I don't know, like, I, I, first of all, I would put this kind of in the same, it's the same type of film as Only the Brave and Thank You for Your Service, which I saw, uh, late last year. There were also biopics. Um, it's, it's very rah-rah, yay America, but unfortunately, even though it is depicting real people, the characters are, for the most part, one-dimensional on screen. Um, lots of talks of brotherhood. Lots of uh, just kind of uh, bonehead camaraderie. Uh, and, you know, uh, a, a lot of it looked like um, a Michael Bay film, the way it was shot. Uh a lot of it, I'm sure, had to do with the fact that it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who's produced a lot of Michael Bay's films. Um, you know, William Fitchner has uh, been in a bunch of 
Jerry Bruckheimer Productions, um, Michael Shannon, Michael Pena, and Chris Hemsworth were all in it. Um, all fine actors, not given a whole lot to do. Um, and I'll be honest with Chris Hemsworth, I've only ever seen him play, the only interesting character I've really seen him play was is Thor, and that's only been in uh, the Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, other than, like, his the first two Thor movies and the first Avengers movie, just really stiff and clunky, and I just don't, I don't know, I don't really find him all that captivating an actor in other roles. Um, you know, I get that he is a, uh, handsome guy and, you know, uh, he's Australian. So that has some sort of allure to some people, but, uh, I don't know. I just don't really care. And he was the lead in this and he was supposed to be an inspiring leader. And it just, I, I just didn't, I, I don't see it. Um, didn't, uh, you know, this, this movie's, uh, I'm definitely not the target audience for this, for this film. Uh, so I wasn't going in expecting to love it. Um, I wasn't disappointed by it. It was pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. Um, if you're a big fan of military movies, um, you know, I, I guess realistic, um, you know, uh, I would say maybe you should check it out. It is still playing in some theaters. Uh, overall, I would give it a five out of 10. Um, not something that I would ever need to see again. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a meh. I mean, there's a reason it got released in January January and February are typical dumping grounds for the studios for stuff they don't really believe in. I, um, you know, let's see. It is February 10th right now, and uh, it cost $35 million to make, and it's, it's, uh, it's box office is $47 million. Uh, <clears throat> So, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if they thought they were going to make a lot of money. I, I mean, it's, it's certainly made its budget back, so it's not a bomb, but, uh, you know, definitely not anything, not a huge hit. Um, the next film that I saw, I wasn't planning on seeing it. The, the whole reason I saw it was... So first of all, my friend Travis, who we happened to talk to in the while we were discussing the commuter because he pulled up in front of us, had had recommended The Greatest Showman to me, and he was in fact he and his two companions were on their way to see it for a third time. He said, um, and tra Travis uh, is a filmmaker in his own right and someone whose opinion on films I definitely respect. So, and he had asked if I was going to see it and wanted to hear what I thought about it. So I decided that was reason enough to see it. And then, um, Kristen and Will, who have a podcast called So I'm Watching This Show, absolutely gushed about this film. 
So I was like, okay, um, I'll definitely go and see it. Uh, uh, Kristen is married to my friend, Will, uh, different, different Will, not, not the Will that hosts it with her, but, um, and you know, I, I listen to their podcast every week. It, they talk about television movies and, you know, a little bit about music and, um, it's a really fun podcast. So, you know, definitely give it a listen. Uh, it's called, so I'm watching this show and they're on Instagram and Twitter and all the social medias. But anyways, so I went in to see the greatest showman, which is another biopic, um, biopic, however you choose to say that word. Um, but really in the loosest sense of the word, it's a, it, it's, it's about the life of PT Barnum, uh, who, you know, was the, one of the founders of, uh, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Um, you know, it was, first of all, it, it's a musical and I am not a huge fan of musicals. I mean, I grew up watching musicals with my family, uh, like in the theater, uh, not, not the movie theater, but the theater theater. Um, so there's a certain period of time, uh, you know, the early to mid eighties that, uh, there's quite a few musicals from that time that I do really like. Uh, I'm a big fan of Les Miserables, uh, a fan of cats and Phantom of the opera, despite the fact that as an adult with, uh, knowledge of, music and also his his history i recognize that andrew lloyd webber is certainly a bit of a hack but um those shows and jesus christ superstar were part of my you know my childhood growing up so i enjoy those but all of those the film versions well they haven't made a film version of cats mercifully but um all those the film versions kind of lacked a lot of uh, a lot of the power that they have on stage. Um, what's interesting with The Greatest Showman is that it is an original musical. It's not an adaptation of a stage production, but it very much feels that way. I mean, um, uh, musicals that were written for the stage and originally put a, put on on stage and then are adapted to a movie feel... Uh, I mean, the same thing with non-musical, theatrical, you know, when plays are turned into movies, they often feel like uh, fleshed out into the real world instead of confined to a box, uh, the box with the stage in kind of an awkward way. And The Greatest Showman definitely has that feel, which is weird because it was written as a film. It's all new music. And, and I'd say of... Any recent musicals, it probably owes its biggest debt to Moulin Rouge. Um, the music is very much kind of like modern takes on... You know, I mean, they are original songs, but it feels like um, modern retro, if that makes any sense. I mean, there's a lot of drum machines and synthesizers and the way the choruses are written... Uh, wasn't bad. The music's not bad. It's certainly pleasant, and people who like musicals really enjoy this film. Um, none of the songs were memorable to me, though. Uh, none of them stuck with me. I couldn't tell you uh, a single song that was in the movie having seen it. 
um, I don't know. I, I mean, first of all, the details of P.T. Barnum's life are, for the most part, glossed over. I mean, it it, it moves by in such a quick pace. Uh, it's, you know, the whole movie, to me, feels like a music video. And it's also got a very, like, plastic sheen to it, even though it takes place, you know, 140-plus years ago. Um it's got a very modern feel to it. And it also kind of looks at the rise of the circus with certainly uh, ruby co- colored glasses. Uh, the way P.T. Barnum, ha- you know, deals with the quote unquote freaks that he hires for his show, that they're misunderstood and. Um, he's giving him a light to shine is kind of, kind of BS. Um, cause it was certainly a, a bit of an exploitation putting them in the circus to begin with. I mean, PT Barnum was a, you know, a huckster a showman. Um, he, you know, he, he had a, a quote unquote mermaid on display for a while, which was, uh, top of a monkey stitched together with a fish and, you know, mummified, um, uh, you know, it's in the movie, it's really shown to be his, just his love of the show. And, you know, you know, God bless Hugh Jackman for his, he, he loves musicals and it's, it's clear that this was a labor of love for him, but it was interesting to see him to give such a, realistic nuanced and dynamic performance in the movie Logan. And then just to see, you know, his, his shiny teeth and his big bright grin in this musical. And it's, it's also interesting to me that he loves musicals because I really don't think he has that great a voice. He doesn't have a bad voice. He just does not have an amazing voice, but I mean, you know, God bless him. He loves to sing. He loves to dance and, you know, he threw his star power behind this this film to help get it made. So I applaud him having passion for something that he enjoys. Um, I just, the movie really didn't do anything for me at all. Um, you know, a lot of big production numbers, which it, if you like that sort of thing, I think you'll probably really like this movie. It is still playing. It's been playing for a couple months now. Um, I know it's made a bunch of money. So clearly again, I'm not the target audience. That seems to be the theme for this week. Um, with the movies that I saw, uh, but you know, if you like musicals, um, if you like biographies, which are light on, you know, the darker details of people's lives, you know, go ahead and check it out. Uh, I would give it maybe a, a seven, but for me, going in just watching the movie I, again, I would give it a five. Um, and then, like I said, keeping with the theme of seeing movies that I was not the target audience for. Uh, yesterday, I saw Fifty Shades Freed, which is the third film and mercifully last although i wouldn't count on it because there's two more there's two more books from uh um 
you know, uh, Christian Gray's perspective of the first two books. So I'm sure somehow they'll they'll ring out another movie out of it. But it's the third in the Fifty Shades of Grey series. Um, I have not seen either of the other two. Um, and again, the only reason I saw it was for this podcast and um, because it, w- it was either that or Peter Rabbit for new movies this week. Uh, you know, it's February is really... Uh, theatrical famine from the studios. So um, I don't want to see Peter Rabbit. I don't plan on seeing it, but we'll see how the next couple weeks go. There are a few movies coming out in the next few weeks that I'm really excited to see. Black Panther being one of them, Annihilation being another one, and shoot, I forget what the other one is. There's, There's like three movies coming out in the next three weeks that I'm looking forward to seeing. So We'll see how those go. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, it was it was an almost sold out showing, um, you know, in a theater that holds a hundred and I think it said one hundred and three seats. There was when I got my ticket, there was six open seats left. So, um, and luckily, two now one of them next to me stayed empty, um, but. You know, I stood up at the end of the movie and looked, and there was 12 men there. And it was all, you know, women. Most of them between the ages of, I'd say, 20 and 30 were there. Um, it was funny. The the two young ladies that were sitting next to me were talking to the screen the whole time and responding to the dialogue. And clearly they were enjoying the movie. And while it did annoy me... I just kept having to remind myself, I'm like, look, this movie's not for you. You're a guest here. This is, this is their movie. Why say anything? Why be a dick and be like, can you stop talking? Because first of all, I didn't care that they were talking over the movie because I didn't care about this movie at all. Um, And they were enjoying themselves and why ruin their enjoyable time at the, at the theater? Um, you know, there was a lot of hooting and hollering, and it, it's just, it's such a clumsily written uh, film, you know, based on an equally clumsily written series of books. I mean, uh, the author admitted that most of it, uh, she wrote most of the, at least the first book, Fifty Shades of Grey, she wrote it on her Blackberry, uh, you know, like texts. So, uh it's, I mean, it started, for those of you who don't know, uh, <clears throat> it started as um, Twilight fan fiction. Uh, originally, these characters were uh, Bella Swan and uh, whatever Robert Pattinson's vampire character's name is, but then, you know, uh, and she published it on some, some message boards, and then... Uh, had, you know, changed the characters so that they were quote unquote original characters so she could publish it. And, um, I mean, these are just to saying the, say these are one dimensional characters is an understatement. Um, it's supposed to be, I mean, the whole 50 shades of gray phenomenon was supposed to be because it's quote unquote kinky. Um, they're, uh, 
the couple are involved in bondage, but having known some people, you know, some I, I, I know two dominatrixes or ex-dominatrixes and have some friends who are involved in the BDSM lifestyle. Um, this is not... This is not uh, a realistic portrayal of it. I mean, if anything, it's more of a abusive relationship and the power imbalance between the two. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess this one's a little bit different than the other two because it involves a, a kidnapping and a heist. And it's, you know, but it's such a one-note uh type of thing that is tacked on towards the end and takes maybe 15 minutes of the movie and it's there's no real doubt in your mind how it's going to end up it's just real lazy writing and it's while there is there are quite a few sex scenes and i'd say there's five or six in there they're all very chaste uh, uh i mean very little is actually seen um, there's not much nudity in the film. So, you know, so, some of my friends online were sort of teasing me that I was just seeing it because it was a dirty movie, but it's not, it's not dirty at all. I mean, uh, you can see far more titillating things in, you know, uh, on Netflix or whatnot, you know, it, it's, it was, it's a boring, boring movie with, um, mostly terrible actors and, you know, the, the music dictates your emotions, how you're supposed to feel the entire time. And it's not, I'm not even talking about the score because while I'm sure there was score, I didn't notice it at all. It's all just pop songs, uh, played throughout the film and it's just, oh, it's, it's such a lazy goddamn movie. Um, I would give it two stars. Um, I, again, I know that they're, that I'm not the target audience for this, and it's certainly a guilty pleasure or just a regular pleasure for, you know, certain certain people. But, yeah, uh, this movie is trash. And, uh, yeah. So here's hoping that next week I get to see some movies I actually enjoy. Uh, check out our bonus episode with uh, Greg and I talking about our favorite uh, love stories for Valentine's Day as well and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.